podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast Series 6, Episode 5, just after a transfer deadline day in which Manchester United signed four players, but none of them in the right positions. Any club signing a player on deadline day has made some kind of error in the transfer market and United finished four deals on Monday evening. But they are four signings, all with their own individual merits and all of whom will undoubtedly strengthen United's team this season or in future campaigns. To run through the latest, we're joined today by a collection of excellent guests. I'm Harry Robinson and first up you'll hear from my chat this morning with the Times reporter on Manchester United, Paul Hurst, who can run us through the going-ons on deadline day and quite how United navigated the market. Later on in the show, we'll get insight into Edinson Cavani and his much younger compatriot Facundo Palistri from Uruguayan football expert David Krakman. And we'll talk about Portuguese left-back Alex Teles with Jamie Farr, analyst for Football Radar and writer for Portugal. There's plenty to get through, so buckle in and enjoy. First up, Paul Hurst. It, it must have been a, a pretty manic day. I mean, only 12 hours ago, we were just announcing the signing of two Uruguayans. Can you kind of try and, and, and talk us through the how United navigated the deadline day, but also how it came to all have to happen on, on this final day? Well, it, it, came to, it came to this, came to become such a mad kind of trolley dash because of the club's failure to deal properly with Borussia Dortmund, I think I, I think United were just completely found out by Dortmund and kind of, you know, even misjudged their feeling on Sancho. You know, when they said that we have a deadline of August 10th, and you, unless you submit this 120 million euro bid for Sancho by then, then you're not having him. And United kind of. I mean, they didn't dismiss it, but they were a bit sceptical about it and just thought, you know, it's part of a part of a negotiating um, strategy. Um, but they weren't they weren't bluffing. I mean, Dortmund are a very well run club in terms of, particularly in terms of their you know incomings and, and outgoings. They you know they buy good young players and sell them for ridiculous profit. You know, Usman Dembele is no is a perfect example of that. Mm. Um, so they, they mean business and I just think United underestimated their kind of staying power I'm not sure whether they knew that Sanjay had three years left on his deal rather than two years left um, and you know as, as a result of that United were left in limbo really they kind of just just let it kind of uh, you know let, let, the, let the weeks pass and then hope that Dortmund would would climb down and, and you know they, they didn't so then as a result, you've got this kind of mad dash around Europe and, and South America to find to, to find some place to, to fill the gaps. And, um, you know, Palistri and Traore um, may end up being brilliant young signings. Um, but Solskjaer wanted a right winger. He's so, he's so blatant, so obvious that that right wing position has been... You know, it's been one that United have struggled with for years. So Sancho was the guy to fill that, um, and and they didn't get him. So they kind of went round, you know, collecting these players up, and then and then hoping that they're hoping that Solskjaer can can uh, do the best with them. Really, I, I can't offer any more of an upbeat assessment than that. <laughs> it's it, it's just a it's an all too familiar feeling, I think, um, from even two years ago um, and, and from years before that as well, uh, that United get a, a defeat just before deadline day um, 
both in the transfer market and the uh, embarrassing defeat on the pitch and then follow it up with kind of a, as you say, a, a fill in the trolley spree of, of purchases. And, and I think it's particularly the, the timing of uh, Ahmad Diallo and, and Palestri and, and even Cavani, to be fair, all three deals which could have been done at the start of summer, you would think. And suddenly they're all kind of rushed through, uh, particularly Diallo and Palestri, who you wouldn't think would be straight in the first team. Yeah, well, Diallo had a release clause in, in his contract. I think it was ten million dollars. That was quite well known. So they could have they could have signed him earlier in, in the summer. And Traore was was on his Diallo Traore. I can't remember. I still don't know how to um, say his name properly. But he he was on 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 his way to Parma on loan yesterday. Um, and until until United came in, I mean, if that doesn't kind of give you an indication as to the you know the the frenzied uh, nature of United's transfer activity, and I, I don't know what what will, because you know he's only played three games for Atlanta as well, and they've committed to a twenty-seven million pound deal for him, mm. um, which is just um, you know, and, and he's not going to be here till January. So <laughs> I mean, it just um, it's just it doesn't look great, and as you say, you know, after coming on the back of a six-one defeat, then he just. Um, it makes it look even worse, and the, the problems are just as bad in the in the outgoing department. They, they, they did manage to get rid of a few, you know, Pereira, Chong, Sanchez, which you know they deserve a bit of credit for getting rid of Sanchez, given the wages he was on, um, mm. uh, and, and obviously Dallo. But I, I looked at the squad this morning, and I, I think it's th- either thirty-one or thirty-two members strong now. And I know they've got a long season. I know they're in for demanding competitions, but just you're going to get players that aren't going to kick a ball. Like if Fossey Mens, for example, now probably won't get on the bench or play until that Carabao Cup week just before Christmas. So mm. what's what's his motivation going to be like? You know, you've got one Bissaka in front of him. We presume that Brandon Williams will probably switch over to right back now. Um, so he's probably third choice right back. Um, you know, let's let's be honest. He's not covered himself in glory when he's when he's played um, that much recently. Although he wasn't that bad against Palace, um, I'm thinking more towards the end of last season. But um, it's yeah, so, so that's a big problem as well. I mean, the goalkeeping department's another problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of. I'm sorry to sound like a bit of a rant list, doesn't it? Which it probably is. But <laughs> Solskjaer said to us in the, when we were in Cologne that he can't have, he couldn't have. All three of them, you couldn't have De Gea, Henderson, uh, and Romero in the same squad. Yeah, you know, with a clean, and then you've got Lee Grant, obviously as well, and you know, playing an important role there. So you've got these, you've got these four guys, and you've got um, Bishop, the, the the young lad as well. So that's five goalkeepers that can be training at Carrington now. I mean, um, Bishop will probably got alone, but. You know, if you're Romero, what what motivation have you got to go into Carrington every week, other than obviously picking up your hundred grand a week paycheck? But yeah. you know, I, I I feel really sorry for Romero because he's whenever he's played for United, he's he's, he's rarely put a foot wrong, and his clean sheet record is incredible. Um, I think he was incredibly hard done by towards the end of last season, in the FA Cup and semi uh, semi and Europa League semi. Um, yeah. But now he's he's third choice and he's a distant third choice as well because you know Henderson wouldn't have come back to United and um, if he didn't think he'd have a proper crack at becoming number one. So that that as a 
you know, that, that could end up, you know, not helping the environment um, yeah. anywhere either. I think, uh, yeah, I think that Romero one sums it up because he has been a great second choice goalkeeper for United and for a brief period in 2015, first choice. Um, and yeah. you, you just think, it, it, it feels to me that one as if United have looked at the fact that they sold players like Nani, Van Persie, Raphael for too cheap and that they've now kind of reverted so much and they're so scared of being made a fool of in the transfer market, even though they just have by Borussia Dortmund. They're so scared of that, that they, they're kind of refusing to sell people like they're refusing to get offload someone like Jones or, or on the other hand, Romero who should be allowed to leave the club. Yeah. And they, it's exactly that. And they, they're so scared that they will offer, you know, offer them long-term contracts just to quote unquote, protect the asset. But the the asset isn't worth protecting, is it? If if you've got if if you have a whole three year contract, Jones four year contracts, then you are you are really saddling yourself with a with a with a player who's, who's not worth anything really. Not especially now in this kind of COVID era, because um, Jones will be on I presume around hundred grand a week. So why would it, why would anyone want to a pay a transfer fee for him and b pay his full wages. I mean, he's just not, you know, any club worth their salt wouldn't invest in a player who's, you know, a, a very good defender when he's fit, but he's very, very rarely fit. So mm. it's, in the United, in some ways, they've, they've kind of, you know, they are the source of their own, their own problems at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're, yeah, it's like, it's as if they're learning from their mistakes, but doing so in, and making even more mistakes but um, there we go I feel like we, we've we've all probably ranted enough about that in the past but T- Tellez and Cavani um, and even Palistri they're, they're, and Van der Beek are four they're signings that people should be excited about had they happened in a different manner I guess but they will improve United's team at least yeah I am kind of I did, I did think yesterday when I was watching um uh, when I was watching all the clips of Cavani and you know the big announcement from United, I thought actually, you know, it, it does make sense. This um, this signing, it, it does it does bring a bit of you know stardust to the team. But it all comes back to the same same point that then why did they not sign him on, on July first? Yeah. Why did they not sign him in January? You know, he wasn't out of PSG in January. Yeah. You know, they, they were turning turning their nose up at him then because they didn't want to pay his wages, but now they're paying his wages. <laughs> we're in October and, you know, we're what, five matches down in the season. Yeah. So he's got to get used to um, playing with uh, players that he's never played with before, um, in a league that he's never played in before. And we're already five matches into the season and they're coming on, he comes in on the back of a, you know, a wall pin against Spurs. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I really hope he's, you know, he's he's good for United because he, he would be, you know, he, he, the team needs a lift, doesn't it? And it would be good for for Solskjaer to have a proper number nine because I still don't think Martial's quite got it in yeah. that role. Um, 
Um, so, but yeah, no, only time will tell. I, I do quite like the look of uh, the left back. You know, I just look at his scoring record, and that's quite decent as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. Just hope he can defend because you know, you know Luke, Luke Shaw was was terrible, wasn't he on on Sunday? Um, uh, yeah. So something else. You know, I, so that maybe that'll kind of come into gear a little bit. Um, but yeah, you like you say, all, all those signings would be great if if they come in July rather than. Or at the end of Boston, uh, end of the season rather than, rather than right now, five matches into the season. Yeah, I, I think my hope with Cavani is if he can be in, in the midpoint between Falcao and Ibrahimovic, then he's been a good signing. Yeah, and he brings that kind of, does bring that leadership. He's he won loads of, loads of trophies as well. So, I mean, that you, you look at that team, that United team now, certainly the first 11, and you don't have many Premier League winners in there. Certainly, well, there's only one who's won it with United, and that's De Gea, isn't it? Yeah. When you know that was that was when Mason Greenwood was practically napping, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> it was ages ago. Um, Matic has won it with Chelsea, Matarad as well um, with Chelsea. But you know, there's, there's not very there's, there's a lack of sort of a winners mentality. I've no point for the World Cup, but he just. He seems to be a different beast when he's playing for France, or he certainly did during that World Cup. Um, yeah. And he does now. He just looks like he was just like shot, doesn't he? He, he looks knackered yeah. and um, he, just, he doesn't have much confidence. Um, so, yeah, that that winning mentality that Cavani has will, will help the squad. And that's certainly what United are hoping that he will have a similar impact to, to Ibrahimovic um, when he came off the pitch as well. Yeah, well, you have to hope so. I'll let you get back to... Um, More misery, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for... Brilliant. Thank you very much for doing it. Uh, no, cheers, Harry. Thanks a lot. Brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. Take care. You too. See you. Bye. You can, of course, find Paul Hurst's work in The Times and he's on Twitter at Hurst Class. We're going to talk to David Krakman now, the man behind the Twitter account Warriors of Uruguay, who have covered the Uruguayan game since 2016. United signed Edinson Cavani on a one-year deal on Monday with an option for an extra 12 months. Cavani left Paris Saint-Germain in the summer after almost a decade at the club that he joined from Napoli. And United also signed 18-year-old winger Facundo Palistri from Peñarol, one of Uruguay's biggest football clubs. Palistri joins for around £10 million on a long-term contract. So to talk us through both of those deals and what we can expect from these two Uruguayan players is David Krakman. Well, so Cavani has been a free agent since June and he has been in, uh, in talks with a lot of clubs in this period, mainly with Befica, Atletico Madrid. But uh, it's mainly the uh, agency and the high wages which has put him off of signing for those clubs. Um, and he has said, or his agent has said earlier that if we want to go for money, we will go to England. You know, he said it a bit jokingly. Now, of course, he went to England. England, you could say, did he go for money? I don't believe that. But uh, the problem is that uh, he was really uh, asking for a lot of money. So this is why his deal has come, become uh, a deadline day deal. Uh, so now he's at United. I think he can he can be a good signing. But there's always a big if for Cavani in his last years. And that's his injuries, uh, his injury record. So he's been struggling a lot uh, with this. And... Um, He's played, I don't think, um, not more than 20 games last season for Paris Saint-Germain. So it's an issue. Um, and um, this is an issue that maybe he will have at uh, United as well. But if he can stay fit, he will for sure 
bring a lot of quality. Uh, like you said, he has been uh, criticized as well by many people for missing a lot of chances. But the problem with this is that uh, a lot of people watch some games of him in Europe and they have this image of him missing a few chances in the game and they stick this image on him. But there's a lot more to Cavani. Yeah. And yeah, he's not he's more. not just a, a very good striker and he's a he's a proper number nine, uh in a way that perhaps Anthony Martial of Manchester United is is not, or Marcus Rashford. Um and Cavani, not just a great number nine, but a as a character, uh what do you think he will give to United? You say you don't think he's just come for the money. What do you think he has come for? I think playing in England is for any player is a is a big challenge in the Premier League. Um so this is something that he will probably will love to do at one day in his career. And also this is the club where Forlan has played and Forlan is uh is a big uh, role model for him as well. Um and I think Cavani, like you say, he's a lot more than just the goals. He is uh, a really well unique character in the world of football. Uh, and I think um, certainly for young players like Belisley who's coming, but also Greenwood, uh, Marshall Rashford a bit older, but also still uh, well a bit inexperienced. He can set an example from, um, so this is how you do it when you want to be successful for 10 years, 15 years. Because even though he scored over 400 goals, he is working like he's trying to prove himself as an 18-year-old. Uh, this is how he plays for Uruguay. Um, I can remember the World Cup game against Portugal where he scored two amazing goals. He was playing as a left-back, left-midfielder in the second half to work for his team to get a result over the line. This is a player, this is how Cavani plays and it is so much more than goals. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, for me, for any team, it's a big, big plus to have him. Even if it is not in his prime anymore, he still brings a lot. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's positive to hear. You mentioned Diego Forlan there. Uh, Forlan, who managed Peñarol, not anymore, um, but managed Peñarol, uh, one of Uruguay's biggest teams, and uh, was in charge of the, the development of Fagundo Pelistri, uh, the 18-year-old right-winger who's joined United for around £10 million. It's, it's not a, a cheap deal, but it could prove great value if Pellistri is a great player. Um, what do you think, how, how has Pellistri broken through in Uruguayan football and what do you think of his his ability? Um, well, he broke through after uh, Brian Rodriguez, uh, another talented player from Uruguay, left to LAFC. So kind of a spot opened up and Pellistri was ready to grab this one um, because he is uh, a real talented player. Um, you can see if still so so young because he sometimes he does things that you think well, that's amazing. And then he just makes a stupid pass or something like that. But uh, you can see after the talent. He's a player who plays, well, like whatever comes to his mind, he does it. It's not right. like he's pre-programmed. And he's, he's a good dribbler. Uh, also has a nice fishing for his age. But the obvious flaws for him is his end product um, and making a, an impact in the, um, in the box. <clears throat> but for young wingers, this is not something that... Uh, you should be worried about because you can see for your own club with Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. he was, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to compare, <laughs> compare him in any way, but uh, so this is something that can be worked on. Yeah. And like you said, the fee, it's, it's not, it's no peanut. Uh, it's not a lot in the context of, uh, of the English market, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's still a big fee for him, for a player like him. Um, 
and it's, it's difficult for me um, to see how this next two years uh, will go. Will he play for the youth side? Will he get loaned out? Um, I don't know what will happen. Um, and these are two, three important years for him because you see a name um, like Marlos Moreno. He was signed by uh, Manchester City a few years back. Yeah. And he was considered a huge talent in South America. Now he's just gone off the radar because there wasn't a good sporting plan for him. So it's really important to see how United will will yeah will do his development, will move, how they will develop him. Um, and Cavani maybe he can have a good uh, influence on this and maybe he can, yeah, he can be a positive impact. For yeah. You. Yeah. You would think Cavani will, will definitely keep an eye out for, for Palistri, but uh, Peñarol, a, a, a club who have developed and, and had many great players, but uh, I know I've heard Real Madrid were looked at Palistri in the past, Boca Juniors as well, but of course Real Madrid signed Valverde from, uh, um, from Peñarol in the past. And, Uruguayan players, it's a, it's a it's a small country and yet an incredibly successful football nation. Perhaps maybe the the relative to its size, the the greatest football nation. Um, what do you see elements of that in in, in Palistri and what as a, as a character from Cavani and Palistri? What do you expect from from Uruguayans like like them? Palistri. Uh, I would I would categorize him as not a Uruguayan player. If you talk about how Uruguayan players normally are, you know, with the strong, strong physically, but also real the dark arts of the game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Forlan wasn't either, and and uh, he turned out alright. Mm. Um, so um, yeah. he's, all that, that you can see about him is he, he is talented and he's got a potential to to be a real good player and. Uh, and yeah, just the sporting plan will be important for him if he if he reaches this. And Cavani, yeah, um, Cavani, it, it won't be due to a lack of uh, work rate or work ethic for him. Qualities are also obvious, um, but it will be really important for him to stay fit um, in his time off mm. um, after uh, the coronavirus or during the coronavirus. He's been working hard. Um, so I think he will arrive in good shape. But you have to remember, he hasn't played a game of football since March. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot. And and I mean, I, I don't I don't hope it will affect a lot, but uh, probably it will have an effect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you would imagine. So um, just to finish up, uh, uh, thanks for your time. But I, there's a great quote from uh, Raquel May on Balistri who he describes him as a, a real rascal with the ball at his feet. And he says, there aren't many like him around who have the courage to be so cheeky on the pitch. Um, th- th- does that sum up the kind of thing we can expect from Palistri? As you, you, you drew the comparison with the early Cristiano Ronaldo, a lot of tricks, um, perhaps not so much end product or, or final ball, but an exciting player. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he will try things and, and it will be mad because you think, why have you done that? But uh, <laughs> he has the ability to do something that leaves you amazed, for sure. And uh, all he needs is the like the confidence to go and do his do his thing. And then he can, uh, yeah, he, he can be real pleasing to the eye to watch for fans, yeah. So that, that's a real plus side for him, yeah. Thanks to David for joining us. Before we talk about Alex Tellers, a small break to thank our sponsors for today's show, ExpressVPN, the number one VPN software that lets you watch films and shows that would normally only be available in other countries. 
It's like unlocking a whole new catalogue, whether you're at home or abroad. Last year, for example, I was in Buenos Aires, Argentina, just a ferry ride away from the home of Edison Cavani and Facundo Palistri, and I could still watch The Office thanks to a VPN. It basically works by letting you change your online location so that you can control where you want a website to think that you're located. So if I wanted to watch a film or even a sporting event that was being shown only in the United States and I wanted to watch it from the UK, I could open up the ExpressVPN app, select the location I want and just tap a button to connect and suddenly I would be able to. You can choose from almost 100 different countries and the biggest gain is probably on Netflix where you can supercharge your Netflix subscription by being able to access different countries in just a couple of clicks. It does also work with BBC iPlayer, Hulu, YouTube and many, many others. ExpressVPN is compatible with all of your devices, phones, laptops, computers, tablets, etc., even smart TVs as well. And not only does it let you watch your favorite shows and matches, but it encrypts your data while that happens, keeping your online self private and anonymous. So to get all of these benefits, go to expressvpn.com slash Manchester to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com forward slash Manchester to get ExpressVPN and help support this podcast. Cheers. On with the show. Okay, United made four signings on deadline day. We've gone through two of them specifically. Ahmad Diallo joins in January from Atalanta, so we'll come on to him another time. For now, though, we'll talk about the Portuguese left-back Alex Tellez, perhaps the player most likely to go straight into the first team at United. To tell us all about Tellez, a 27-year-old Brazilian fullback, here's Jamie Farr, who writes about Porto and other Portuguese teams for Portugal. So, uh, yeah, first of all, he's kind of known for his offensive contribution from defence and I guess that's what should probably excite United fans most about Alex Tellers but his time at Porto four years um, started uh, in strange fashion when I I believe he was sent off after a terrible debut but over the four years has definitely cemented himself as an important part of the team and United fans should be excited about him Yeah I I think so Uh, yeah you're quite right I think um, his first season or so did have a few a few bumps in the road. Um, uh, there was a an, another red card incident as well, actually in the, in the Champions League game with um, against uh, Juventus, I think it was, uh, which really kind of um, put a bit of a block on his uh, on his record. But he, he basically, for me, was a player who who kind of steadily improved year on year and seemed to be. Um, you know the sort of player that that had that particular desire to do so because I think he arrived at Porto with with some question marks. I think he was sort of known in the game, but um, you know didn't, didn't maybe have the highest reputation because I think he was with Inter and Galatasaray before, and maybe he wasn't really able to kind of consistently nail down um, a position. But um, yeah, I think he's. I think he's a lot more mature now, um, and and does appear to you know be pretty desperate to make that 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 next big step. So I think they're getting uh, a player that is you know kind of close to his peak in in many respects, but also is hungry to 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 see what's next and and to and to play at a higher le- higher level because. Um, you know, despite United's struggles at the moment, he's clearly making a a significant step up. Yeah, and 
uh, as, as a player, United have a, their first choice left back for, for a while has been Luke Shaw. And I think most of us as United fans mm. have uh, frustrations with Shaw. Firstly, he was injury prone for some time, but he's had a, a consistent year or two in the team. Um, and his attacking contribution is is certainly uh, not comparable to the 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 great left backs of the the era, um, which probably started with with mm-hmm. Marcelo and then has developed and and um, you've got the Liverpool fullbacks now as well. Um, Tellers should mm-hmm. offer something different to Shaw. Um, is he a good a good crosser of the ball? Does he rely on having a good centre back next to him? What can we expect in terms of strengths and weaknesses from him? Well, I think uh, yeah, I, I would certainly say his crossing and and in general set piece um, delivery, both uh, in terms of assisting from you know corners and, and wider free kicks and 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 scoring from free kicks is. Is definitely up there with with his his, his biggest attributes because um, he's got a really sort of it feels like a quite a particular technique as well where uh, he sort of imparts so much power and and whip on the ball it almost looks like he's going to kind of fall over sometimes with this with this particular sort of technique he uses but it's it's extremely effective and a, and a team like Porto one of their biggest um, strengths as a team was 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 uh, how dangerous they were from from set pieces, and that was uh, not only due to you know the height and powerful players they had to aim for. It was it was Tellez's sort of consistent delivery. Um, you know, I can even remember I think on two separate occasions where he got two uh, three assists in in the same game, which for a left back is is, is obviously sort of highly yeah. unusual. Um, yeah, I think offensively. Yeah, this that is the that is that is the selling point uh, of the player, um, and you know I think defensively is 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 not you know his, the strongest part of his game, but um, yeah I think and as you say I think he I think he's going to be an upgrade on on Shaw in, in that area because yeah perhaps. Shaw is the sort of player who's stagnated now and, and had his injury troubles. So, um, yeah, I think I think I think um, fans can be excited about what he can bring offensively because because yeah, he's he's proven to be highly effective uh, in those kind of areas consistently over the last three years or so. Yeah, well, it's it's good to hear, and I guess he's a twenty-seven-year-old, and I think naturally. Um, for fans, including me, when I, I I see United signing a 27 year old who's played only a couple of times for their country, who's still playing in the Portuguese league, uh, that there's always going to be kind of questions appearing in your head, saying, "Well, well, why is that the case?" But on the other hand, only in January did Bruno Fernandes come from Sporting Lisbon, or, or mm. um, and at not too dissimilar age, um, having not had a great spell in Italy, perhaps like Alex Tellers. And I, I guess it's, can, can we learn from the, the Fernandes experience? Is this a player who just took a while to settle into the European game? Um, and is, can we rely upon it, his character and his quality now? And it's just a matter of him, him having a late flourish in his career. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that the parallels with Fernandez there because um, 
obviously how quickly he settled and has become effective has has kind of uh, confounded a lot of um, people's expectations, I think, because, um, you know, the, the, the Portuguese league is viewed rightly in some respects and, and wrongly in others. It's, it's obviously viewed as in a, that much lower a step. And, and that's always the, I think the biggest question mark is uh, for players leaving that league is whether they can bridge that gap. But um I think I think Bruno was um, a slightly special case in the sense that what he's kind of proving now is that um, in Portugal he was viewed as a you know as a seriously special talent. Um, so I think as a lot of observers and and people like myself who who watch the league on a regular basis that haven't really been particularly surprised about how well Fernandes has done. So. Um, I would say Tellez is different in that regard, in the sense that you know we're not witnessing a, a particularly special talent in that bracket. But I think, yeah, I think in terms, I think there are parallels with Fernandez in, in in the sense of of that hunger to get to that next level, and that perhaps a sense of outgrowing the Portuguese league. I think Tellez fits the mould in that respect. I think he has the attitude and. Um, the mentality to to believe he can succeed at Premier League level. So whether he can adapt quickly, because as we said, you know, he was a little bit slow um, to hit the hit the ground running at Porto, but then that was a very different player. So uh, I think he's done a lot of maturing, sort of mentally and and within his game um, since then. I think he's got the tools to do it. Um, and maybe even you know the 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 sort of the situation Man United find himself in that themselves in at the moment might even help him in, in some respects you know to maybe take the pressure off uh, fractionally to, mm. to to begin with. But um, yeah, as as ever with these things, time will tell. But I think from from what I've seen, the you know in terms of his mentality, I think I think he's equipped to to settle into the league quickly. Brilliant. It's, uh, it's it's all positive to hear. Um, thanks for giving your insight. Is there anywhere you want to plug on Twitter or, or website where you're writing for at the moment? Yeah, I do. Uh, I've got a, a weekly uh, feature for uh, an English language por- uh, Portuguese football website called Portugal. Uh, you can find it at portugal.net. Uh, and I do quite, le- quite infrequently... Uh, go on Twitter these days but uh, you can find me at um, FR Futureball Jamie brilliant thank you Okay, that wraps things up for today's episode. United did it in a pretty farcical manner. I didn't sign any players in the so-called priority positions, but the players that have been signed are good ones. I hope you enjoyed the insight from our three guests and thank you to Paul, Jamie and David for their time. That is it for today on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. But later this week, Jack and I will be recording a bonus episode about United's transfers just for our patrons. If you've not yet heard, we've joined a website called Patreon, where so-called creators can offer extra content such as the 
these bonus episodes to fans for a small amount of money. You can sign up right now by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash Man United Weekly Pod. That's Man UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D at the end there. Or you can just look up on Google Manchester United Weekly Podcast Patron and you'll find everything you need to know, all the links and all the information. You can choose to pay as little as 50p a week to support the show and get even more episodes like this. So later this week, Jack and I will give all of our thoughts on Tellez, Cavani, Diallo and Palestri, as well as Jaden Sancho and the other missing names in that list. So sign up to become a patron today to hear that episode on Thursday or Friday of this week. Thank you to my guests and thank you to our sponsor, ExpressVPN. Remember, you can go to expressvpn.com slash Manchester for more information. And thanks to you for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Network.